Opinions expressed on the Eyes Free Fitness podcast are those of the individuals and do not necessarily represent Blind Alive. No comments are meant to diagnose or treat any particular condition, but to assist you on your journey to wellness. Please consult your doctor if your questions are of a medical nature. Hi, everybody. This is the Eyes Free Fitness podcast number 99. I am Mel Scott. Today, the podcast is going to be all about food. Lisa has put together several segments on proportions, how to proportion your food, how to measure your food, and some tips and tricks and gadgets that'll help you do that better, as well as shopping tips. So we're doing this in hopes that it will help you to begin to take control of your food intake a little bit more. So hopefully you will enjoy this podcast today. It's going to be filled with a lot of really good information. So we've got some exciting things coming up. A new um, workout is coming up. I, I always feel strange about calling it a yoga workout because, you know, it doesn't quite fit. It's a yoga flow. It's going to be called Floor Yoga for Strength and Peace. And this yoga flow is really nice. It's all on the mat. And the idea will be to sync movement with breath. And you'll be flowing from one pose to another, but there are no standing postures. So you don't have to worry about balance at all. This will be strengthening your entire body as well as stretching your entire body. It's a beautiful workout, beautiful sequence done again by Joe. A lot of the beginning um, postures will be familiar to, to you because a lot of the warm-ups in these yoga flows are, are the same. So if you buy the workout and it sounds just like the other ones, that's okay. It, it's meant to because you're warming up those sections of your body. So no problem with that. The rest of it, I promise you, will be a little more challenging than uh, some of the other ones we've done. I did it. I've done it several times now. And the first time I did it, uh, I was sore the next day, which indicated to me that it is a strength building yoga flow. And it's very peaceful. The relaxation part at the end is especially good with Joe's lovely voice. So the plan is to have this yoga ready to go by the beginning of next week. So you're going to need to check your mail for an announcement either on Sunday or Monday. It'll come in the in the blog. And at that time, we'll also announce the featured workouts for July, as well as special promotions that we're going to do for convention season for July. So that's what's coming up. And also Podcast 100 is coming up in a couple of weeks. And so that one's going to be very special. So our plan for July is to relax a little bit, um, there'll be some special promotions, so blogs will be coming out, so watch for that. If you haven't signed up for the newsletter, go do that so that you will know exactly what's happening when. So let's jump right into our proportion, our food, our food segments with Lisa today. 
Hello, I'm Lisa Salinger, and today I would like to talk to you about the importance of proper portion sizes. For 12 years, I worked for the state of Pennsylvania as a rehabilitation teacher. One of the many skills I taught was working with people to prepare and portion healthy meals. Portion sizing really is so important. It's easy to eat too many or too few calories, although generally we tend to eat far more than we need. Because of the size of portions in restaurants, we have become conditioned to expect larger and larger portion sizes, and so it's difficult to know what is a serving. As blind people, or those with low vision, if we have difficulty with spatial concepts, we can be especially poor judges of what comprises a portion of a given food. Also, when out, we can't use some of the same examples that are given to help people control portion sizes. For example, I've often heard a serving of meat is about the size of a standard deck of cards. Well, that doesn't work for me for two reasons. The standard decks of cards I've seen are braille cards, which are thicker and take up more room because of the braille on the cards. Also, when I'm out at a nice restaurant, I don't necessarily want to lay my hand on my food to determine the portion size. But unfortunately, if we eat too much or too little, it will change our weight over time. So let's talk about some items that you can use to help control your portions. There is some equipment, most of it low tech, that will help quite a bit. One thing that really will come in handy is a set of nested measuring cups. Now, nested measuring cups basically are cups that nest or fit one inside another. Generally, you have one-fourth, one-third, one-half, and one cup. You will sometimes see one-eighth, three-fourths, things like that. Personally, I like to keep it simple. I like the four-cup nested set of one-fourth, one-half, one-third, and one cup. This makes it easier to determine by size which cup I have. When you have something like two-thirds and three-fourths, it just gets tricky unless your cups have numbers on them that you can either feel or see. What you don't really want is a single liquid measuring cup with the lines on it unless you can see those lines. It is a myth that liquid and dry measuring cups hold differing quantities. If you pour liquid into a dry measuring cup all the way up to the top, it is going to measure one cup, the same as if you poured it into a liquid measuring cup. This is why, for my purposes, I use a set of nested measuring cups to measure everything. I do have one of those large two cups Pyrex measuring cups with lines on it, but I generally use that when I need a small mixing bowl or something similar instead of dirtying a larger bowl. As much as I like to shop for things online, I generally won't buy something like measuring spoons online because I've seen ones that are really flat and I actually prefer the ones that are more bowl shaped. They just seem easier to measure and to scoop with. Again, you can get them with all different sizes. You can get 
some that are a dash, four teaspoons, all kinds of what I would think of as oddball or irregular sizes. I like the set that has one-fourth, one-half, one teaspoon, and one tablespoon. It keeps things nice and simple. It's also important to know that you really should have an actual set of measuring spoons. Some people think that they can just use silverware and that the smaller spoon is a teaspoon and that the larger spoon is a tablespoon. This is often not accurate and because these spoons are not very concave, it makes measuring with them very difficult. A food scale is also helpful to have, either large print or talking. Unfortunately, I haven't come across any tactile food scales in years. Some things can't be measured in a cup, like ounces of chicken or some such thing, so they do need to be weighed. You can get scales from the blindness catalogs and online vendors in general. I also find some equipment helpful for measuring what I think of as problem ingredients. For any item that's sticky, whether it's something like mashed potatoes, peanut butter, or anything in between, an ice cream scoop or cookie scoop can be helpful. You want to look for an ice cream scoop with a thumb-operated lever, which will easily empty those sticky contents. Generally, and you'll want to check this just to confirm, but generally, the bowl of a level ice cream scoop will hold one-fourth cup. Cookie scoops just look like miniature ice cream scoops, although sometimes they don't so much have a lever as a handle which you squeeze. But again, there is a little scoop-type lever mechanism that will come down and scoop out the contents of your cookie scoop. I've seen these in one and a half teaspoon sizes, which are very nice for condiments, and in tablespoon sizes. And again, I've used the ice cream scoop for things like rice. So if you're having one half cup of rice, you would just give yourself two level ice cream scoops full. You can find these online and also at kitchen stores. If you're ordering online, you'll want to carefully check the product description to make sure that they have this lever or ask someone who can see to look at pictures for you. Sometimes when you're running out the door and you want to take a snack with you, measuring can be tedious. In this case, having small containers available and in sizes you already know is helpful. For example, my favorite little Tupperware containers each hold a quarter cup. Plenty for most snacks. It works well for things like nuts, raisins, or a combination of the two. For items like spices, liquids, and oils, you might consider purchasing a second set of measuring spoons and possibly measuring cups, preferably in metal. If you get ones that are metal, you can bend the handles so that they look like little ladles. Then you can easily dip out these sometimes problematic ingredients. This may mean transferring the ingredients 
to larger containers first that have wide mouths. One thing that it's vital to remember when portioning your food is to keep it level. If you measure but don't level, well, there's no nice way to say this, but you're wasting your time. For example, if you measure a tablespoon of peanut butter and you don't level it off, you could end up with as much as a tablespoon and a half or even two tablespoons. Even if you think you are being really careful or maybe you're leveling with a finger, it's still not accurate. I used to think it was. I was very adamant that I could level just fine, especially when cooking for myself, just using a finger. And someone challenged me. They said, okay, let's try this. And so I leveled with my finger and I thought, well, that looks pretty good. I got quite a lot off. And I think this was measuring a tablespoon of peanut butter. And this person came along with her butter knife and got off another sizable chunk which was probably about half a teaspoon to a teaspoon in size. So unfortunately, there really is a right and a wrong way to level. To do it properly, you run the flat side of a butter knife across your cup or spoon. Put the remaining ingredients back into the container. Yes, it still does count if you put that leveled off portion into your mouth. You can also purchase cups and spoons with built-in levelers. Basically, these are little flat things that when you squeeze the handle, they come across the top of the cup and they level it for you. This is really nice if you find that juggling the cup and the knife is a bit of a challenge. You may find that for some things, especially if you're trying to hold a cup level that has contents that are somewhat liquid, that this is just a lot to do at once. And so you might like measuring cups and spoons with levels that are designed to help make this process easier. Another thing you can do is to consider pre-portioned items. You don't want to just go ahead and assume that a single item is a serving. For example, Many cans of soup serve two, or even the mythical two and a half people. Still, there are many things that can be purchased in individual portions. For example, if you like cheese, there are a few kinds that can be purchased in individual rounds, wedges, or sticks. Some people purchase condiment packets of ketchup, jelly, and similar items to make measuring easier. There's no guesswork, you just use one. Or if you use two, you are aware of exactly how much you are using. Measuring while you're eating out can be problematic. Unfortunately, most of the advice given to sighted people for measuring foods while out doesn't work for us. As I said before, I've often heard that meat should be the size of a deck of playing cards. However, I'm not going to know how much meat is on my plate unless I touch it, which I'm not really willing to do. And again, a deck of braille cards is significantly thicker than a standard one. And I really don't remember how thick a standard one is. Still, we do always have options and choices. You can ask your server if he or she knows how much a piece of meat weighs 
if this is not already listed on the menu. They may or may not know, and if they don't know, they can sometimes check with someone in the kitchen who can get that information for you. You can automatically just plan to take half your food home. This is often a good rule of thumb. If you are with a sighted companion you trust, you can ask him or her to help you gauge the portion sizes. For example, how many servings do you think are on this plate? And would you mind helping me get some of this in a to-go box? I find that it's helpful to ask for the to-go box to be brought when my meal arrives. Another advantage of taking home what you're not going to use is it leaves you more room on the plate to maneuver and for me at least, makes it less likely that there will be accidents and that I will accidentally scoot a piece of food off the edge of my plate. When eating out is only an occasional indulgence, you can forgo measuring altogether and adjust accordingly the next day. However, if it's something that you do quite a lot, you'll want to have an idea roughly of how much food is on your plate. You might even choose to make notes. For example, if the server at your favorite restaurant tells you the chicken dish you love is 12 ounces, make a note of it so that next time you won't have to ask and you'll know how much to take with you. We've talked a lot about portion sizes, but how do you know what is a portion? In this case, I find that there are a few options. If you've ever done Weight Watchers or been on a diabetic diet, you've learned probably quite a lot about how much of particular foods are a serving. You can also search for this information online. For example, how much roast beef is a serving? Or how many calories are in half a pumpernickel bagel? You can find it all online and it will help you to make informed, controlled decisions that will ultimately benefit your health in the long run. At blindalive.com, we offer 30-second samples of all of our workouts. Here's just one example. Chair Yoga. With your last exhale, bring your hands to your shoulders and leave them there. This next exercise focuses on the deltoids, which are part of your shoulders. As you inhale, bring your elbows out wide to 3 and 9 o'clock so that your arms are in line with your body. Think about keeping your shoulders away from your ears and your biceps parallel to the floor. As you exhale, bring your elbows toward each other in front of you. It's okay if your elbows do not touch, just bring them together as much as you can. Hello, I'm Lisa Salinger and I'm pleased to be talking to you today about the process of shopping for healthy foods. You might ask what makes me qualified to discuss this topic. Well, for 12 years, I worked as a rehabilitation teacher, working with people, teaching them to live independently in their homes, including shopping. I've also worked as a technology trainer, both when I was a rehabilitation teacher and once I stopped doing that particular job, although sort of once a rehab teacher, always a rehab teacher. But as a tech trainer and tech enthusiast, I have had the opportunity to look at many of these sites and have used them. It's important to be able to know what ingredients are in the foods you're purchasing so that if you have questions, you can get the answers that you seek. 
Sometimes, if we're shopping with family, friends, or store employees, they may not have the time, patience, or skill to find the information that we need. In the past, we were sort of at the mercy of these individuals, but now we have the ability to find out the information we need and make our own decisions based on information that is readily available. Online shopping websites are great for this because you can find information about portion sizes, ingredients, grams of carbs and proteins, and preparation instructions. And you can do this on your own time and in the comfort of your own home. You can either purchase from these sites or use them as resources while compiling your grocery list. For example, if you hear about a new item, you can check it out online and then decide, okay, I'd like to add this to my grocery list. And so you can do that. Or you might decide, no, this doesn't basically follow with the kinds of things that I need or want to eat. Because you are doing research on your own time, you can take as little or as much time as you need. I'd like to give you several websites that you might consider in no particular order. The first one, especially for healthy items, is Thrive Market. And that's simply www.thrivemarket.com, all one word. It's an excellent source of healthy products, not just groceries, but cleaning and household products. There is a required annual membership and some subsidies are available. You need to apply for that. But the advantage is you can sometimes buy things at well below cost by having this membership. The website can be a little difficult to navigate. However, if you use an iPhone, iPod, or iPad, you can use the Thrive Market app, and that makes things considerably easier. Another website is well known to many, and that's Amazon.com. Of course, we all know that they sell books and music, but they also sell grocery items. Depending on your location, you can purchase not only non-perishable foods, but also perishable items as well. Amazon is, to me, a great resource because if you look up, let's say, um, Campbell's Chicken Noodle Soup, you can often find lists of ingredients, calories, serving sizes, all manner of things. Another site is Instacart, and that's spelled I-N-S-T-A-C-A-R-T. You can use this site on the web or as an app, and this allows you to search for items, and then you can often read ingredients, nutrition information, and serving size. Instacart allows you to order groceries from local stores in your area, and someone will shop for you and pick up what you want and make substitutions as needed. And if you want to make notes about particular items, you can do that. This is especially nice if you are ordering from stores that you know carry lots of local produce. This is a wonderful way to get 
those healthy local options. Be sure not to overlook websites for grocery stores in your area. They may have a website, an app, or both. You can usually schedule a delivery or pickup, but it also allows you to explore what they have and see the healthy options. Don't be afraid with any of these sites to go exploring. Maybe look at new categories that you've never gone before. Maybe you'll find a kind of fruit or a vegetable that you've never tried before. Consider adding it to your list. Then you can use a search engine and find out how to prepare it. There are two sites which do not sell groceries, but which are helpful in finding out information about groceries. Directions for me is at www.directionsforme.org and has packaging information for a variety of products, both foods and household products. For foods, you can learn about things like calories per serving, ingredients, number of servings per container, and preparation methods. Another website is MyFitnessPal, www.myfitnesspal.com, and it is a website as well as an app, and it provides information about portion sizes and calories. It may not list, for example, the cranberry muffin made by my particular store, but I can get a good idea of its overall toll on my calorie budget just by comparing other similar options. So for example, let's say that I want to buy that cranberry muffin from Wegmans. My fitness pal may list, because others have entered the information, calorie counts on similar muffins from other grocery stores. And so I can get a general idea of the nutrition or lack thereof and something like that. The first time that you go looking up foods that you want to buy and you go looking up ingredients, especially if you eat a number of packaged or prepared foods, it's going to take you a while. It's going to seem perhaps like a never-ending process and maybe even like it's a bit more trouble than it's worth. However, I'll let you in on a little secret I found in my own life. That is, overall, I'm kind of boring. What that means is that once I found the ingredients on maybe the first dozen foods, then each week I maybe added one or two. But overall, even though I thought I was eating a wide variety, I stuck to a lot of the same foods. And knowing this was really good because it helped me not only to realize, okay, this isn't going to take this long every single week, but it also helped me to branch out and to look for more ways to add not only variety, but healthy variety to my diet. I like looking up this kind of thing, and so I think of it sort of as an adventure and a challenge. Sometimes there's a lot of food marketing hype out there, and so I like to be able to look at the cold hard facts and say, well, they're saying that this is good for me, but 
really, I don't quite know how they can justify that. I hope that these websites are helpful to you and that you will be able to use them to do some healthy shopping of your own. I'm back. I think Lisa did a very good job on these particular segments, and I hope you got a lot out of them. I did. I had not heard some of the information that she presented in these segments, and so I I certainly did learn about some new gadgets and that kind of thing to to help me in the kitchen. So hopefully you did, too. I want to change the subject just a little bit. Food is fun. We all love food and topics about food. But the mission of Blind Alive and Ice Free Fitness in the beginning about five years ago was mainly to create exercise choices where there were none before exercises that we could follow in routine so that we would have the choice to have some contemporary modern workouts for us to do and in a nice variety. And over the past four and a half years, uh, we've got about 24, 25 or more choices at this point. So a lot has gone into that in the past four and a half years. And I would appreciate it. And the team at Blind Alive would appreciate it if if you could help us out by one of one or two of two ways, one would be sharing the website and the Eyes Free Fitness app with your friends, with your social media, in any way that you can think of sharing it to help us get the word out about the choices uh, for exercise and for movement and relaxation that we now have. And the other way you could help us out is to um, donate. We have a donate button on the website now. So if you feel as though the podcast and the blog has offered you some insight or good information or enjoyment, we would love it if you would use that donate button on the website. That would help us out a lot. And so those are the choices. You can make a donation or you can just share it with everybody you know. That would be grand. I also want to remind people that we do have the app in the App Store. And for the month of July, um, not yet, but coming up um, next month, the prices in the app will reflect the prices on the website for the month of July. Uh, and then after that, things will go back to to the way they were. So July is going to be a really good time for you to, to visit the app and or the website to, to get your workouts. Um, and in the app, you can also listen to the podcast and read the, uh, read the blog. So hopefully you enjoyed this segment and We will see you in podcast 100.